With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Joe Hoff Show on TNT Radio. Hey, welcome back. This is Joe Hoff Show. Another crazy weekend, another crazy week, another day living in the USA. And uh, and every day seems to be getting more and more uh, scary, I'd say, with this Biden regime, the Obama regime, the uh, massive takeover of the United States. Barack Obama, I'm telling you, man, I just think uh, if there's an Antichrist, that guy's it. He is one nasty dude sitting in the background there just running things. Uh, man, there's talk about Michelle Obama, uh, Michael uh, running for president here that they're going to sneak her in. It's it's crazy world. It's just crazy world now, but it's also really, really scary. I saw a piece and wrote about it actually this morning at uh, JoeHoff.com. It's about... Venezuela and their elections coming up and the the head Maduro's just uh, the top competitor this woman who's courageous as can be she's uh she's uh still I believe on house arrest she can't leave home anybody that brings her anything is persecuted if you if she purchases food or whatever from a shop they shut the shop down it's all an attempt to really just kill her and torture her to death you know starve her to death and they announced, well, she cannot run for president because uh, she's not allowed to for 15 years. They say, why? Well, it's because Maduro wants that. <laughs> and you, you look at the, compare that to the U.S., what's going on here with Biden indicting Trump for a thousand years on, on totally bogus crimes. We saw it last week with Eugene Carroll. It's just disgusting. And they continue to throw stuff out. And really, to, uh, today, really, what, what we can talk about a lot, and, and we're going to have a great guest, Michael Jans, joining us here shortly after the break. Uh, who's just an expert on the border and an expert on, you know, the insanity that's happening down there and in Panama and how, you know, how influential China is on this whole thing and everything. Anyways, Michael will be with us. But the the big culprits that allow this to happen is this corrupt media. And that's, I, that's what I guess George Soros, the World Economic Forum, China realized. We can take over, if we can take over the media, then we can, we can, uh, we we can rule. They thought that plan would work. Then then everybody will believe us. And and the problem is, Americans are too good, and they will not believe the lies. And that's what's going on today. And no matter what garbage Biden says, and he's he's just uh, going down and down. I mentioned this uh, earlier this morning. I was in, on another radio show, and I spoke about this. I said in April of last year. Rasmussen comes out says by, with with a couple polls one 60 some percent of Americans believe 2020 election was stolen another 60 some percent believe that the uh tw- that January 6th was uh uh was uh in- instigated by uh deep state basically and uh so those numbers kind of to me compared to the general public and their view of President Trump over what's going on, there's 40% or less that are just either radical crazies or they're just poor people that just listen to the news and believe it. And that number has become a fewer and fewer as the obvious crimes of the Biden gang uh, continue. Uh, then we have the Iowa caucus and we see 70% of people there uh believe that the 2020 election was rigged and then new hampshire last week where it's 80 percent. so the numbers are going up and i'm grateful uh, i've written three books on this subject the only guy i know of in the world that's done so and i've laid him out and i was on another show here this morning on tnt as well and uh the individual uh palais 
uh, from Sweden uh, mentioned how he'd read my second book on the steel and all the information I laid out there and uh, was enlightened. He really enjoyed reading the book. And the thing is, I've written a lot about this. It doesn't make any sense. It never should have been certified, and that's why it was stolen. But so many lies, and our media covered it all up. Immediately, they're all together. Boom. Even Fox News. That's when I stopped watching Fox for good. I'm done. I'm not going to, you know, that's how it is with me. I'm done. You lie to me once, shame on shame on you. Lie to me twice, shame on you. I'll never listen to you again. And that's just kind of how it goes. And unfortunately, uh, that's where Fox News is with me today. Uh but our media never stops. And here, here's Joe Biden. We're going to play this clip now. Joe Biden over the weekend saying, pushing this lie. It's a total lie uh, that was conjured up before the 2020 election, saying Trump said terrible things about our military. Trump loves our military and the military men and women, and they love him. It was all a lie. And I believe it was put in place because they were going to steal the election votes from the military, and they needed some sort of, some sort of, backdrop that would would provide them rationale for why military would vote for Biden over Trump, which was a lie. It was a total lie. And I wrote about this in that second book. I say that the steal in 2020, they went after our strongest and our weakest. They went after old people in nursing homes that really, some of them can't even talk and stole their vote. And then they grabbed our military votes. And state by state, they'd come in a thousand votes all for Joe Biden. And it was garbage. It was a lie. Listen to what Biden says here in this clip over the weekend. Donald Trump, when he was commander in chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? How dare he talk about my son and all of us dressed like that? What a snake he is. He's so disgusting. He's such a liar. The whole thing's a lie. It's never, it was all the all the people around him. Nobody said nobody was able to confirm that. Nobody said, yeah, I heard him say that. Nobody. It was a total lie. And I believe it was all conjured up. And everything they do is conjured. Uh they're they're always they're always uh corrupt, seedy, um, just disgusting people lying to us all the time. And and um one of uh, Rick Grinnell retweeted that and he says, where's the media? I want to know all the media that sat in that room and listened to that. Why has none of the media called out Biden, the liar, for lying? Where are they? Are they anymore? What is this? This isn't media. This is garbage. This is propagandist. These people are cowards. The media is full of cowards. It's sick. So you want to be a lefty? Fine. But freaking at least, you know, grow a pair. My God, that's sick. You sit there and listen to that garbage and allow him to say it. This man is sick. This man, they jack him up on drugs so he can even talk. Look at him there. He's he's slurring his words. I shouldn't even be out in public. It's disgusting. And you guys sit there and listen to that. Like little, you know, can you imagine sitting in that crowd? I mean, where's your integrity? This is our media today. It's so disgusting. It's Gross. Well, there was an, uh, another player actually on Fox News, of all places, that really called out the media. And it was a really a great piece. And uh, so I want to share this next. This will kind of lay out where we're at with today's media. Roll it. 
Higher journalism industry is basically in a free fall. Today, the Los Angeles Times laid off 115 employees. They wiped out their entire D.C. bureau in an election year. Major media companies like BuzzFeed News have completely shuttered their news operations. Time magazine also just laid off a ton of people. And, oh, Sports Illustrated basically shut down last week. Pretty much the entire digital media ecosystem that myself and a lot of other millennial journalists came up in has been completely hollowed out. Meanwhile, hundreds of workers at Condé Nast, the parent company of pretty much every major magazine from GQ to Vogue to The New Yorker to Vanity Fair are on strike because they're also facing impending layoffs. Even if you do get a job, journalists' salaries have been stagnant and even declined. And by the way, we don't make that much to begin with. I don't think people understand how bad the world would be without journalists. Aww. She's right. <laughs> without journalists, who would arrest criminals or put out fires or build our roads or take care of the sick or deliver our mail or pick up our trash, keep our water and electricity running or defend our country? So, yeah, thank God for journalists. <laughs> Look, crazy lady, everyone understands how bad the world would be without journalists because we haven't had any for decades. <laughs> Look at all the hoaxes our so-called media pushed while missing the biggest stories of the century. Fact is, only our treasured journalists could fake a scam involving Russia to undermine the incoming president without consequences. Only our treasured journalists could deny a lab-leaked virus for years and suppress anyone who dared question the lying experts. Only our treasured journalists would proudly disseminate the government's talking points word for word on everything from Hunter's laptop to border policy to crime stats, looting and riots. Only our treasured journalists would protect a vegetable who can't leave his basement or finish a sentence and helps him get a elected president with multiple election law changes, then eggs on attacking his political enemies while celebrating the imprisonment of those who didn't vote for him. And only our treasure journalists would want us to hear about the tragic plight of our treasure journalists. So, yeah, I don't think the world would understand how bad the world would be without journalists. But I have a feeling millions of us would like to find out. That was great. That was great. Gutfield, and he's been uh, he's been good at times in the past. Very good. He, he became a never Trumper for a while. He he got over that. That was perfect. That by the way, that lady that he's calling out is Taylor Lorenz. He started off one of these far left sites, worked her way up to the New York Times, now the Washington Post. She is a nasty, nasty girl. Uh, just nasty. She's doxed people. I know we've had Pamela Geller on this show, and Pamela uh, was be there was a fatwa against. Pamela, Islamic terrorist, wanted her dead. And Taylor Lorenz doxed her and her children, basically outed her where you could easily find her and her children. And that's what Taylor Lorenz did. And so she's the perfect voice for today's media. She's nasty, nasty what she did. She actually put Pamela Geller and her family at in harm's way by doing that. I mean, risked her family. Uh, Pam has daughters. There was a fatwa. One guy from Boston drove down to New York. Big, huge black man. Huge man. And he was going to kill her. He was on a mission to kill her. Somehow the police were able to stop him before he got there and killed her. There were two other Islamists that followed her down to uh, Texas when she had a, an event down there. And they attempted to kill her. They got shot dead, too. This is serious stuff. And when you've got somebody like Taylor Lorenz doxing somebody who's under that risk and that harm, uh, that's sick stuff. That lady, uh, you know, 
perfect voice for today's media. They don't care what they do. They will harm you if they have to. Those are the those are the best of the best in today's media. Taylor Lorenz, people that will harm you rather than rather than report the truth. I mean, here we had Joe Biden and and all this evidence on Hunter Biden's laptop, and the FBI covered it up. And where's our media? Crickets. The Russia collusion. Where was our media? Crickets. It's it's I guess it's to our benefit. This is why TNT uh, radio.live, Johoff.com, uh, the gatewaypundit.com. This is why we're flourishing because people want the truth. They inherently want the truth and they inherently can tell what the truth is. And this is uh, uh something I've really learned lately uh in my as I as I grow older. The older I get, the more I want to I trust my gut more because it's telling me at times exactly what I know. These people are liars, and our media are liars. They lie all the time. And and whether it be ABC, NBC, any of the legacy media, the reason they're falling apart, the reason they're firing is because they suck, and it's because they never tell the truth. They lie, and they push, they push stories rather than the truth. And, and to me, they're deep state. I mean, Washington Post, New York Times with that Russia collusion stuff every day coming out with more and more and more garbage against President Trump, an innocent man. And to this day, the one one story that they've been able to get across is that Trump is mean. And it just, to me, it's just pathetic. My God, Joe Biden is destroying this country. We've got a southern border that's falling apart. We've got a, we're coming to a close to a, a, a civil war. A constitutional crisis where we have judges on the Supreme Court crossing sides and saying, no, you don't need, oh, the U.S. government doesn't need to protect its citizens. We can allow terrorists into this country. That's where we're at today. It's insanity. So we're going to we're gonna cover this and more with our guest, Michael Yan, who's, who knows the border and the situation better than anybody. So get sit back, maybe grab some popcorn, get prepared, because we are going to blow you away with this segment from Michael following this break. We'll be right back. TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says, the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois. And this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right minds goes to their boss and says, would you mind, I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay, because I've got other priorities in a, in a town down the road. Jeremy now on today's News Talk. TNT. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the national security advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, 
You have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at Salem Now. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work, and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. We're back on the Joe Hoff Show. Thanks for sitting in and listening. We've got a great show ahead here with Michael Young joining us here in moments. So... Thanks so much for listening. I guess I could start talking like Joe Biden and slurring every word, but I, I'm not sure you'd understand me. And um, so anyways, that, that that clown gave that talk over the weekend was just disgusting. He just really full of nastiness. And and um why, you know, why do why do journalists sit there and, and allow this to happen? Why why do none of them have any integrity? They're so scared. I think fear is a great tool by these monsters on the left. I think um, this is how you keep people in line. You scare them and you subtly bring it in. You don't do it right away. It's very subtle. And but when you compare Venezuela to the US, it's becoming like the difference isn't so great anymore. We've got a we've got a, a a ruler right now in the U.S. who does whatever he wants. Doesn't matter about the law. He'll keep the keep the border open. Keep it open. Let terrorists come in. Keep it open. It's like I think the great analogy to so many of these things is is a micro macro type of approach. Micro meaning me in my life. Do I leave my front door wide open at night? Have I ever? Have I ever left my door open at night when I went to bed and just invited anybody to come in? Rodents, people, whatever. Do I do that? Nobody does. Nobody in the right mind. Most people lock their door at night. They want to sleep in comfort. They want to know nobody and no thing is coming into their house that they don't want in their house. This is just common sense. It's just, just knowledge. Why are we leaving our door open in the U.S.? 
Why do we allow anybody to come in? Cartels, drugs, Chinese coming in. We've got 200,000 Chinese. Just found a bio lab in California. How many more are around the country? How many bio labs? How many terrorists? I mean, seriously, with 10 million people that have crossed that border, whatever the number is, I see it changing all the time. You're saying 300,000 plus last month, maybe the most people ever. 300,000. Unbelievable. And just because Texas has shut down their border right now, it doesn't mean that Arizona, New Mexico, California aren't wide open. People in these states are like, what's going on? Stop this. And these pictures are unbelievable. I think the, the worst, though, are everybody's, when you see these pictures over and over, it's these men of military age. And, and I, I the one that really grabbed me was this video from Sykeston, Missouri, which I believe is on Interstate 4044 that cuts through Missouri. In a small town, bus pulls over. One of these white buses doesn't isn't labeled. You don't know who, who owns the bus or what. Pulls over in a big parking lot, opens the doors, and one guy comes out, and one by one, everybody gets out of the bus and follows in a single line the leader to wherever that leader was going. And every one of these individuals was dark-skinned from somewhere other than the U.S., and they just followed the leader, and they're all of military age. What are we doing? What's going on here? This is the Joe Biden America. It's the destruction of America. We've seen the U.S. give $80 billion away in Afghanistan and the lives of 14 Americans. We entrusted the Taliban our troops as we were leaving that country. What, what in the right mind would do that? I mean, it's the stupidest thing on earth. It's unbelievable how dumb it is. And, and but our policies were dumb anyways. For 20 years, we we go after the Taliban. They're involved in 9-11. So what do we do? We let them all escape into Pakistan. We just sit there and and, and every once in a while there's a skirmish. And then what are we doing? What are we doing? As soon as we announce we're leaving, all of a sudden the Taliban all come back. I've talked to somebody probably 10 years ago, maybe more, over in the UK. He says, oh, yeah. He's from Pakistan. He says, oh, yeah, you we, we you can tell who's who's you know Taliban, who's not. These guys are walking around with guns in Pakistan. They knew who, who was the terrorist, who wasn't. Lo and behold, we find Osama bin Laden in Pakistan. I mean, what's going on? And what's, what's the deal with our foreign policy that we allow that to happen under Obama? I mean, what's going on? And then Obama, the man that gets a Nobel Peace Prize, ends up uh, bombing like seven different countries, supporting the Muslim uh, Brotherhood and their overthrow of all these of all these uh, countries in uh, around the Mediterranean and and uh, Northern Africa. What's that? Why, why, we were we we're bombing everybody. Now and then Trump gets us out of all that. Gets ends ISIS. Just ends them. Which could have been done. Remember, Obama's telling us, "Oh, it's going to take a generation to get rid of ISIS." These people are running around cutting people's heads off. The most grotesque thing I've seen in my life, ever. They start chopping, cutting people's heads off on video. It's so disgusting what these people were doing, and um, and they throw it out there on social media, and then people share it and spread it. it was so gross. They're saying all, you know, in the name of what? In the name of what? Chopping somebody's head off? An innocent person's head? What's that? So Trump comes by, Obama says, oh, it's going to take a generation. Trump comes in, and within a matter of a few, really, weeks, 
We were able to just totally destroy ISIS. Trump went and talked to one of these lower level generals who said, oh, no, we could have this done in a couple of weeks. And he was right. Trump listened and boom, ISIS was gone. Middle East was was contained. Iran was put back into a box where they couldn't continue to supply terrorism across the Middle East. All of a sudden, you got four peace treaties with Israel of all places. And, uh, you know, the propaganda goes on. So there, I, I remember seeing Bannon talk when I was overseas about uh, the various, basically, warfare. It's economic information and then the actual physical, you know, going at it, arms, et cetera. Kinetic is what Bannon called it. But he says he was talking about China. And he says China is economically and their information warfare is excellent. Think of the information warfare. I was just on this morning with somebody from uh, from TNT from Europe, and it's like let's not let's forget that China's got information they're pumping all the time. These bots on on Twitter, etc. Where are they coming from? Freaking Hillary, and you know, blamed it all on Russian bots. Were they really Russian? When I see these nasty comments, whatever, there's something nice about President Trump. Who's who's pushing that? It's just. Innocent Americans that just really hate Trump doesn't make sense. We saw it as well with the uh, we actually found out it was it was Chinese bots that were pushing uh, COVID as they were trying to push these these lockdowns. So China's very effective. We we've got them down at the border now, crossing the border. It's outrageous what's going on. So the information warfare is unbelievable. But now we can see it with our own eyes. We can see all this that's going on, and it's shocking. And now. Uh, my good friend and and really an American hero is going to join us here. He's from he's down at Panama, and uh, he knows more about the border, more about what's going on down south than anything. I tell you what, we're going to take a real quick break. We'll be back with Michael Yan here in one moment. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Starbucks is one of the big supporters of fighting climate change. I mean, you just go into their place and it just reeks of green this and green that. And I don't mind it that much. Personally, I don't go to Starbucks, but I'm just wondering what they could be thinking at Starbucks now when we have some of the people in charge, the World Economic Forum and other such things, claiming that coffee has too high a carbon footprint and we've got to get rid of coffee. These are the same people who claim that we've got to get rid of meat, we've got to get rid of gas stoves. Of course, John Kerry says that farming and agriculture is going to lead to starvation. Do you realize the, for lack of a better term, nut jobs we have saying this? And these people are being paid attention to. And Starbucks, if I were you, I'd wake up and listen to what was just said. You've got people now, because of climate change, that want to ban coffee. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Sometimes, a car comes along that changes everything. With innovations never thought possible and features that make you wonder. How did people survive without this? This is that time, and this is that car. This is the world's first VWB. Equipped with transparent doors to eliminate reasonable suspicion, whatever that means. A 10 and 2 steering wheel that keeps hands visible at all times. 
we remove the glove box so there's no confusion about what the driver is reaching for. With a touch of a button, the ultrasonic biometric scanner displays the license and registration of the driver to ensure contactless exchange of information. With no trunk, nothing can be concealed, so therefore, there is nothing to search and seize. To ensure you will never be mistaken for breaking the speed limit, we've installed limited edition airless tires. And we remove the engine because, honestly, why risk it? DWB, the first vehicle of its kind, where the safety feature is the car itself. Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, this is Joe Hoft. We are back with Michael Jan. Michael, thanks for being here. Welcome to the Joe Hoft Show. Great to have you again. How, how's it going for you and, and what's going on? Hey, Joe, I'm back at the Panama Canal. That's it right behind me. You might see a ship go through at any point now. Um, the um, and I'm heading back to Texas. You know, I've been down here for a long time. I just took Brett Weinstein and Dr. Chris Martinson and Masako Ganaha and Vandersteel. We all went into the jungle again, into the Darien Gap. I think it was very surprising for, uh, for I'm sorry, I was looking at you instead of looking at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very uh, surprising for Brett Weinstein and Dr. Martinson, who'd never been there before, to see the actual flows coming through the Darien Gap, how many... Um, probably Hezbollah coming through, probably, you know, I mean, large numbers through Venezuela. There's a lot of people don't realize how much uh, Hezbollah is in Venezuela, but also just the numbers, the massive numbers of Chinese coming through and people from about 150 other countries. And they can see the actual uh, ecosystem that's actually pumping this, that it's not organic. Very little of this is organic through the Darien Gap. You know, the organic level of flows were occurring you know, years ago, they were just a trickle. But now it's basically one of the things that IOM, which is an arm of the UN and highest, it's the Hebrew uh, Immigrant Aid Society and Catholic Charities and Red Cross and all these people do. They, as they find ant trails that already exist and they widen those ant trails, right? So the Darien Gap was an ant trail of, of flows. So it was it was a natural flow and they just you know, basically added to the stigmergic learning, let's say, and and they're increasing these already, the flows that already exist. Now they're like almost like a four-lane highway. Of course, it's not a four-lane highway in the Darien Gap, but just in August last year, we had 82,000 come in in one month. And those numbers overall, quarter over quarter, they're increasing. Now you can always look at it and go, hey, you'll see when governments are trying to deceive, they'll say, hey, the numbers are down at Eagle Pass or some nonsense. But you just have to look at it quarter over quarter, right? That you have to widen out your resolution there, right? And also another thing, you know, Eagle Pass, Texas, where I spent a lot of time down there on the Texas side and Eagle Pass and on the Mexican side in Piedras Negras. I've been across the entire southern border from SpaceX to San Diego. I've been across the entire thing. A lot of people don't realize, by the way, SpaceX is actually right on the border at Boca Chica. Like literally, you can see the rocket on the launch pad 
no exaggeration with naked eye from the Mexican side, right? When there's a when there's a starship or whatever on the launch pad, you can see it from the Mexican side, naked eye, right? So so when that thing takes off, there's a lot of people on the Mexican side watching it. It's very, very loud, of course. And of course, you know, Anthony Rubin and his brother were kidnapped there a few months ago. They're okay, actually, weirdly, that you know, the, the golf cartel released them. They killed uh, a couple of Americans there in uh, March of 2023 and actually immediately apologized for it because the golf cartel has a longstanding business relationship with the United States. I'm going somewhere with all this. There's all these structures that already existed, like golf cartel has been there for a century or so, <clears throat> as have many of these other cartels. They've been around for a long time, some longer than others. And likewise, down here in whether it's FARC or anybody else down in Colombia, Panama, many different groups, many, many countless, right? Whether it's local uh, indigenous groups or whatever, uh, they all are the, the IOM and the, you know, basically the United Nations and highest uh, Catholic charities, all these people, they all build on these existing routes and these existing structures and they enable the cartels and others to flood people in, right? So now the flooding... No matter what happens at Eagle Pass, you know, a few nights ago, I was having dinner with some friends here in Panama and they were bringing up Eagle Pass. Everybody knows about Eagle Pass now because it's all over international news. Right. And they're like, wow, you know, some of the Americans are standing up finally on the border. And I'm like, hold on. You know, I spent a lot of time in Texas watching Governor Abbott and whatnot. And I took the pepper shaker and put a little piece of pepper in my hand. And you see that piece of pepper? Well, that's Eagle Pass. And I put it on the table. And I said, that table is the border. So you're going to have a showdown at Eagle Pass. But Eagle Pass is nothing compared to the border. It's just a speck of pepper on a giant table, right? And so it doesn't matter. It's like blocking the Mississippi River with a box of Legos. So at the end of the day, the border will remain open. And Governor Abbott could actually stop it. He could dramatically stop it just by doing vehicle inspections of trucks coming up from Mexico. This has been done before. Yes, we all get it. It also damages the U.S. economy. We totally get it. But we're being burned to the ground right now. So worrying about a little bit of, of disruption to the economy, which it would be it's serious. There's no question about it. But we're actually being burned to the ground. Right. And so but they won't do it. Abbott just does these kayfabes. The constant kayfabe puts the uh, Constantina brings all the cameras always show up where Abbott is on the border. Wherever Abbott shows up, all the cameras show up there while the, everybody just crosses a mile downstream, literally a mile, a mile downstream. That's what's happening right now in Texas. So you'll see the government will report, hey, you know, cross border uh, 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 crossings are down at Eagle Pass. OK, so you put a Lego in the middle Mississippi River and go less water is coming through this Lego than before. It's like, it makes absolutely zero difference whatsoever. <clears throat> Governor Abbott is World Economic Forum. That's really all you need to know to fast forward past all the details, past all the nonsensical, strongly written letters, and just get right to the bottom line. What team does Abbott play on? He is World Economic Forum. World Economic Forum is close allies with the Chinese Communist Party, period. Full stop. This is not in question. Mm -hmm. It's quite clear. They they don't hide it. It's all in the open. Yeah. And so so the yeah, border Mike. will remain open and the flows are increasing. Sir. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I heard uh, somebody shared with me last week that uh, notice that Abbott does this action that he takes. that's so big that he's standing up to Biden and blah, blah, blah. Then he takes off to India for three weeks. 
And this guy says, so now the lieutenant governor and uh, the attorney general, Paxton, appear to be in charge. Now, that would be a good thing they're saying because they uh, they are more America first than Abbott. But uh, do you have any input on that? If you did, you were you aware of that? And because the same concerns are with Abbott as this guy's World Economic Forum. So, so you know, any concerns with any of that? Do you think that's there's oh, yeah. anything going on behind the scenes? Oh, clearly. And notice where he went. He he went to, for instance, Mumbai, and Mumbai is is the beginning of the Indo-European corridor. Right, it goes through Mumbai goes up through uh, UAE, through Saudi, through Jordan, through uh, Israel, actually through Gaza and Haifa. And then um, Haifa is obviously north of Gaza. But I mean, but the, but the point is, is it goes through these places, the Indo-European corridor, and then up to Europe. This is like a new sort of uh, spice road to counter the Silk Road that China is building, like right here. I'm sitting in front of the Panama Canal, right? Not a coincidence that I'm sitting in front of that's the water back behind me is one of I'm on one of the most vital pieces of terrain on planet Earth, right? This is one of the places that it's in contention and contention. And by the way, I'm I'm talking with you on Fort Old Fort Clayton. All the veterans of Panama know exactly where I'm talking about. This is the old US Army South headquarters. The US Army South headquarters has now been taken over by people like the United Nations. Their office, there's like five dozen different NGOs, IGOs, and nonprofits here, at least five dozen, right? It looks like about at least 62, including Clinton Foundation, something like I was just looked at that last night when I was walking around. There's uh IOM, which is right down the road, like five minutes walk. There's HIAS, of course, there's NRC, there's all well, more than 60. And remember, Fort Clayton is here because that's Miraflores Locks right there. Everybody that knows about Panama knows about, or the Panama Canal knows where I'm at. That's Miraflores Locks. That's the canal. And the Pan American Highway is right out the, or the bridge. The old Thatcher Ferry Bridge is the old name for the, Pan, for the, for the, uh, for the, for the Highway One Bridge that goes over the Panama Canal, right? Pan America Highway Bridge. And so, so the bottom line is this is two arteries right here, that bridge and this canal. And they have set and the and the NGOs, IGOs, and, and nonprofits, I just call them EGOs, evil governmental organizations. They are governmental organizations. They call them non-governmental, but they're straight up governmental. They're funded by the US, mostly by the US government and some others like Germany and Canada. But the number one funder of all this is the United States, period. Right? Full stop. It's not it, there are a lot of private donors, for instance, Pretty, the highest. Go yeah. ahead, sir. Pretty cl clever, cunning scheme, isn't it, for the uh, these globalists to have the U.S. pay for their own demise? It's just unbelievable. The thing that you grabbed, you mentioned earlier, is eighty thousand people go through Panama, but they're saying like last last month was the worst month yet. I, I'm this is what I heard: three hundred thousand people crossed that border uh, into the U.S. One we saw was a terrorist. So are people flying into Mexico directly? What's going on? Or is it Mexicans that are crossing the border as well? Um, There's a what's, lot. What's your uh, thoughts? First of all, my thoughts are that number is is vastly understated for starters. Uh, you know, because they're not talking about the gotaways, they're not talking about the undetecteds and whatnot, right? Now that's that border. They also go come across the the northern border. They're coming up on the border of Florida, and also they just fly in twenty four seven, like on Swift Air flights, right from Colombia and Guatemala. They got people coming in on student visas. People ask all the time, well, it doesn't make sense what you're talking about. They can't be coming through the Darien Gap when they could just fly in. You know, this 
super experts that suddenly are experts on everything the moment they hear it, right? (laughs) They hear a pepper of information and it inflates to a whole acre of knowledge, right? So the bottom line is they are coming in by airplanes. They are coming in every method you can imagine, right? Student visas, work visas, just sneaking in this way or that way. We know that many Chinese go to Vietnam and get passports, Vietnamese passports. In fact, I I photograph them down there with Vietnamese passports all the time. Last night, I was working with a China team looking for more of the online information from the Chinese talking about how to get to Vietnam. It's all in Mandarin, so I have to ask people to translate it, which they kindly do. And you can see uh, there are advertisements to go to places like Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and get either transit visas or actual passports, right? You just have to have the money. They're very clear. You got the money, you got the passport, right? And so then with that, so you see a lot of people coming in from Vietnam. The other day I was down there with Brett Weinstein and Dr. Chris Martinson. I took them to the Darien Gap with, again, with Masako Ganaha and Ann Vandersteel and Chuck Holton and a few others that wish to remain unnamed. But we we took some serious people down there. And it's interesting because I was with Brett Weinstein and Chris Martinson at at actual China camp. at the, They call it San Vicente Camp here. And I asked a man and what appeared to be his wife and, and daughter, I said, are you from Fujian, right? Which is a part of China. And he said, Korea, right? And I said, Korea. Uh-huh. So, and I said, you don't look like you're from Korea. And he said something to his wife in Mandarin, and he, right in front of us. And I said, you're speaking Mandarin. And he's like, well, and, and then he, the look on his face was shocked. And I said, you speak English too, because you, you just understood what I said. And he's la- and he laughed a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, you're Chinese and you're not from Korea. And his daughter who looked, I guess it was his daughter. She appeared to be his daughter. Uh, she looked to be a teenager. She actually spoke some English. She's like, yeah, we're Chinese, you know? So, I mean, that you'll see this all the time. The Chinese usually will not speak. Uh, they will not, um, you know, by the way, one way you can figure out what language people, their native language is, is just, this may sound crazy, but use things like rubber snakes, put them on the ground, <laughs> like, whoa, look for that, you know, and then they'll they'll say, whoa, or whatever in their native tongue. That's a way of catching spies and whatnot, right? Little thing, I do little things like that all over the place. It's quite effective. They will, whatever you say, it will be in your native tongue, right? And so the, the moment of surprise, right? So in any case, again, they think that we can't understand anything about them. We know a lot about their routes. We know a lot about the Chinese routes. We know a lot about uh, Hezbollah. I just got a com- uh, a question, right? Or a a, a a couple messages now, by the way, from a Jewish friend in Florida. He's a serious man, and and he's upset because I'm saying what's happening in Gaza can hugely affect Israel, could cause Israel to cease to exist, and could cause a, a, a huge price on Jews' head and everybody else around the world. And why am I saying that? I, I'll Let me go into why I'm saying that first, but let me show you his response, which is typical. And he says, you are espousing, it's the Jews' first, it's the Jews' fault narrative that has existed for a long, long time, which is the face of evil. Jews defending themselves risk Holocaust 2.0. You don't get more absurd than that. So actually, there he goes, mind reading. Uh, you are espousing the Jews' fault narrative, which existed for a long, long time. Actually, I'm not. Never mind read. If we mind read, it gets frustrating for everybody. You actually think you can mind read. And I think that you're not very intelligent because I'm actually reading my memories, my memories of wars, my memories, for for instance, of Fallujah in Iraq. In Fallujah in 2003 and 2004, 
Americans actually were torturing people at Abu Ghraib. Now, many people go, whoa, 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 you can't say that. Nobody died. Actually, if you think nobody died, it's just proof you have no idea what happened. People did die. People did get raped. People, okay, here's the bottom line. Whether or not you believe it was a, it was torture or not is actually quite irrelevant. This is the effect that it had on the war. Fallujah had previous, Abu Ghraib prison is at Fallujah, I've been there, right? So Fallujah had been weirdly, mostly peaceful, actually. It had been mostly a peaceful town. And even though it's called the city of mosques in the Middle East and that sort of thing, and it's a somewhat holy city in the Middle East, which Americans don't seem to know that. But Fallujah had been mostly actually welcoming people in, right? Then these things happened at Abu, Abu Ghraib. They were actually quite serious. Now, again, people will raise their hand and go, what about stopping the next ambush? Well, you just wait till you see what comes next, right? So these things did happen at Abu Ghraib. Everybody in the Middle East knew about it, right? Whether or not Americans knew about it, they knew about it. And people were coming over from Europe, from the United States, from Libya, from Sudan. They were coming from, it was Star Wars Cafe. Everybody was coming in to then fight in Iraq. If you look at what happened then uh, in March of, of 2004, one of my good friends that I used to work out with in high school, Scott Helvinston, the youngest Navy school uh, SEAL in history, we went to high school together. We played football on the same football team together. We worked out in the same gym together. He became the youngest Navy SEAL in history, and I became one of the youngest Green Berets, actually. So we went different branches and did similar things. Scott got killed in March of 2004 in Fallujah. He was one of the Blackwater contractors that was hanged off the bridge, right? United States then responded with a blistering attack in April of 2004. I went in April of 2004, when that attack was, attack was under was was unfolding, I went to actually Scott's funeral in Florida, and I went to another funeral in Colorado of one of my old Green Beret teammates, Richard Ferguson. We called him Fergie. I went to those two funerals, and the SEALs at one were like, you need to go to Iraq. This thing's getting out of control. And the Green Berets were saying the same thing in Colorado at Fergie's funeral. And I'm like, I'm not going to Iraq. But then, fat, okay, that's April of 2004. Fast forward. It, that caused the war to absolutely explode. So we had the torture going on that everybody in the Middle East knew about, but Americans are denying. And so people are starting to flood in. People are getting angry. The war is starting to increase. And now it's really dramatically, we had a lot of Iraqis on our side, but they saw the torture, right? And now we get into, let's fast forward to late 2004, because remember, April of 2000, and March 2004, Fergie and Scott were killed. Fergie was killed in Tikrit, actually in a vehicle rollover during combat operations. Scott was killed and hanged off the bridge, right? Now, so the United States and Britain and others really attacked Fallujah, killed a ton of people. The war increased, but it didn't work. So now we get into like October and November of 2004, an Operation Phantom Fury launched, and, and which, which was the second attack on Fallujah, and the war just exploded. That's when I went to the war. That's when I said, hey, this is way out of control. I flew to the war, and you know the rest is history. Then I spent more time in combat in that war than any war correspondent by leaps and bounds, right? I was, I'm was i intimately familiar with that war, and I'm intimately familiar with what caused it to go up and what caused it to come down. Now, as we cleaned up our behavior and the Iraqis saw the, saw, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, stop doing these things. We started treating people better. 
then people in Al-Qaeda, being the savages that they are, were chopping off people's heads and killing children and that sort of thing. Then as we get into, say, late 2006, and certainly by 2007, the Iraqis started shifting back to our side again because we had cleaned up mm -hmm. our behavior and Al-Qaeda just got more frantic and started killing more people. So then you saw the war yeah. change again. Anyway, what I'm getting to is with, with yeah. what's happening now in with Israel and whatnot, we're going into that Fallujah moment. Gaza is Fallujah. The energy is building. I can see it. And meanwhile, I'm watching the Darien Gap. I'm watching Hezbollah come over like crazy. So it's not me reading the old Jews are bad narrative. I saw this happen in Fallujah. I saw it happen in Afghanistan. I saw it happen over and over. I've seen it happen in various conflicts like Thailand, where all of a sudden people turn against you and then it's on, right? And that's what's happening right now. The energy's building in the system. And meanwhile, you've got somebody reading his memory, you know, when in doubt, pop the, pull yeah. the pin on the anti-Jew, anti-Semite hand grenade and throw it in the room and run away. I'm like, that's yeah. not going to work, man. They, no. the, the world sees what's happening. Yeah. You know, Mike, I, I thought about that period of time too, from afar, I mean, I've never been over there in those areas. Uh, like you certainly not even close nobody has but the thing that hit me is i felt like maybe the uh iraqis were feeling like well we're going to be there for them we're not going to leave we're going to support them and we're going to we're going to try to bring attempt to bring justice there that's what i saw from afar i wasn't being told about the bad things that were done but i did see perceive this and i think people do feel like if you're if they're going to feel like they're going to be protected then i think they're going to probably come to your side because people want safety and um for sure anyways i don't know if that uh kind of ties into that a little bit and you just brought up all kinds of stuff i mean this week we had three americans die in jordan i i know a guy who's he i'll tell you this he's i probably can't tell you too much but he said that that whole facility there was like top secret how did this get out to the media that we had three or so americans die over there uh, over the weekend and again what are we even doing there uh big question but Maybe jumping back to the border, Mike. We, you know, we've got five minutes left, and we could talk about the, all of this for hours. I know. Yes. But what's the danger now? We've got, you know, the border. It's wide open. What should we be most concerned about, and why should we demand that this border that this border shut down and lock down now? What's 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 your con biggest concerns? Well, the problem sets are immense. This is obviously demographic warfare. All this is made possible by information warfare, which is the PhD level of warfare is information warfare. Without the intense information war going on, none of this would even be possible, right? Because obviously the border would not be open. Abbott would not be governor. We would not be getting choices of bad or worse for president, right? We would be, you know, the bottom line is, is information war is the PhD level of warfare. Now, with what we see happening in the Middle East right now, we saw the attacks yesterday um, on the U.S. forces, which killed uh, three. Of course, immediately people are like, let's go to war with Iran, uh, which is, you know, again, we're doubling down on stupid. Now, when I say that, people go, you know, like this uh, good man, actually, he's just brainwashed. I mean, bottom line, he thinks I'm brainwashed. We, we think each other is brainwashed. One of the things I found, by the way, in the study of cults, you can you can greatly benefit by studying cults. I, I put great uh, study into cults, and I got onto that line of study when I was in special forces, actually. Uh, but the, one of the things I realized is the only cult people never see is the cult that they're in. So anytime they 
when you're in a cult, you, all the answers are already supplied to you. When you when you face a roadblock, you answer like this. Like so, I I said what's going on in Gaza is wrong. It's going to cause uh, additional problems. It's going to. So his response is the cult response is well, you're basically anti-Jew. It's like uh, actually, if you looked at my history, I have been the base supporter. It's my type of American is why Israel even exists, right? It's my type of American who has supported Israel all my life publicly and at great expense to myself, right? And now I get attacked. Guess what happens when you do that? You put very serious supporters like me into the neutral category, right? That's a huge loss because Israel will not exist without people like me by the millions supporting Israel privately and publicly, right? It's a big deal. Now, they might just write you off and say, you're an anti-Jew, anti-Semite, you know, Ben Shapiro loves to do that sort of thing, big vax pusher that he was, you know, and and uh, and, uh, and, 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 and it's counterproductive because the cult response is as soon as they reach, as soon as you reach resistance, call anti-Semite, anti-Jew, anti and then you create, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It, it actually creates that thing. So it's put me into the neutral category with what happened with Israel pushing the jabs and Ben Shapiro and so many others. Every time we said, no, 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 don't do that. Who killed more Jews, Ben Shapiro pushing the jab or Hamas? And I'm dead serious. I'm not asking that hyperbolically or in, in an inflammatory way. I'm dead serious. Who has killed more Jews, the death jab or Hamas? Hamas is obviously dangerous and they're coming across our border. They're coming across Darien Gap. Hezbollah is probably the most dangerous terrorist organization on planet Earth yeah. for Americans, Mike, and they're um, coming across 24-7. Yeah. How many terrorists are in the U.S. today? I don't know, because remember, they can be created from, from the fertile ground that's already there. So so people wow. who are not terrorists now Hundreds, can be easily recruited. Thousands? Oh, it's got to be tens of thousands. It's got to be tens of yeah, thousands. Yeah. It's got to be. Unreal. Keep, keep in mind, it's, it's, it's seed yeah. and soil, right? The soil is there and the seeds are there. My God. Michael, thank you for joining us, man. Thanks for dialing in. Really appreciate your time as always. You're, you know, brilliant American hero. Thanks for all you do. Gotta go. Thank you. But we'll get you back on soon, Mike. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. See you Joe, soon. Yeah. We'll be Bye. back tomorrow on the Joe Hoff Show. <laughs>